Hello, hello, friends and gamers. Today, I spoke with Billy Sullivan and Aaron Potter from Grease Monkey Games. Billy Sullivan is the COO and Aaron Potter is the CEO of Grease Monkey Games. Grease Monkey Games has been making traditional Web 2 motorsport games for over 10 years, more recently having dived into Web 3 with their new title, Torque Drift 2, which is a part of the Torque Motorsport series and the Rev ecosystem by Animoca Brands. With a vision to create community-driven games that innovates on how motorsport fans connect with their passion, they are striving to create unique experiences that bridge this gap between the digital and physical world through their games, media, events, and products. You know, I will be completely honest, I'm not the biggest motorsports person, but after talking with Billy and Aaron, it's clear that they have a massive passion for what they're doing, and they're really going breaking down all the walls to bring their passion into the Web3 gaming sector. And I really appreciated that and really enjoyed just talking with them. They're great guys. Their company is amazing. They really care about what they do, and they really think and put a lot of effort into everything they do. So please check them out on all their socials. Everything's in the show notes below. And you'll notice in the beginning we had some technical difficulties with Billy's microphone, but we were able to get that sorted out for the rest of the episode. So apologies about that. My name is Matthew, and this is the Web3 Gamer. Today's show is brought to you by Lifetrack. Ever felt like the ordinary driver's life needs an adrenaline boost? Lifetrack has you covered. Imagine drifting into a supermarket parking spot while your kids cheer you on, or making rush hour traffic feel like a thrilling qualifying lap. And remember that daunting parallel parking part of the driving test? With Lifetrack, you'll slide in there like a pro drifter. Whether you're delivering pizzas, avoiding pedestrians on your bike, or mowing around garden gnomes, Lifetrack brings a motorsport edge to your daily life. Because with Lifetrack, every day is race day. Lifetrack does not guarantee traffic law immunities, increased pizza delivery tips, or exemption from law and gnome casualties. Hi, I am Matthew Simone. I am the Web3 Gamer, and I am here with Billy and Aaron of Grease Monkey Games. How's it going, y'all? Hey, good, good. Good. Pleasure to be able to speak with you all today. Really glad we were able to connect uh, I think you have some really interesting stuff you're working on, some really interesting projects. But uh, before that, honestly, would love to hear a bit about y'all, hear a bit about your company. So, I mean, let's just get into it. Where are you from? What's your background? How'd you get into this project? Were you originally a uh, crypto fan? Were you a Web3 fan? Were you an NFT fan? Go left to right in your alphabetical cool. order. Um, yeah, so uh, my name's Aaron. I'm the CEO and director of uh, Grease Monkey Games. Um, I come from a visual effects background, so my my kind of uh, history has always been in visual sides of aspects of things. I used to do commercials and movies and, and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, Grease Monkey Games started uh, coming on 10, 10 years ago. Um, we were a bootstrap company uh, just building up from, you know, getting a few jobs and, and hiring more people, and we just kind of built it up to the point which in the story that you're going to hear about with the acquisition from Animoca Brands. But, you know, we started initially doing installations um, for like car companies at motor shows and, and things like that. So I remember in 2014 um, we had four installations at the LA Auto Show, um, very large brands, very large car, car brands like, like Honda and Mazda and Nissan. 
And um, you know, it's pretty expo- exciting stuff. And then um, we started doing a game on the side, yeah, and doing our own IP. And the minute that kind of was released, we became a games company and um, we haven't really looked back from there. So um, I'm, my aspect is obviously running the business and and connecting all the dots. Um, I'm still very much a, a art director um, and and do all the vision around here kind of thing um, and contribute to that, but all very high, high, high level and making sure the power and the, you know, we have access to the building kind of thing. So um, I'm, I'm Billy, I'm the CEO here at Grease Monkey. Um, been at the company for just over eight years, eight years now. One of, one um, of the first, well, in, in the group now, you were, you were one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is wild. It seems to have gone by really fast. Um, I've kind of in that time worn all of the different hats uh, as is Aaron, you know, as you do in a small indie company that's growing stuff needs to be done. Um, there's no one else to point to, to do it. So you just kind of follow your curiosity and, and do it and learn and, um, get better as you go. Um, I've personally been making games for like, since I was a kid, um, found out you could add automatic slide transitions and hyperlinks in PowerPoint. And that was my first kind of intro into games, making, you know, choose your adventure, choose your own adventure, uh, games, um, when I was quite young. Um, and from there, I thought that I wanted to make animation, you know, stop motion animation, like Wallace and Gromit and, and things like that. Um, and then found, refound, I guess, game dev, um, and pursued, uh, that as a career. Um, I've always been, uh, cars have been kind of a big part of my life as well. My dad being a diesel mechanic in the army, kind of pulling apart and wrenching cars as a kid. And um, so when I kind of discovered, I moved to Melbourne, discovered League of Monkeys, which is what the company was called back in the day. And um, like they're doing car stuff, they're doing games. Um, and I just you know managed to find my, my way uh, through the, the gates as they were back then the gates and um yeah still still here so managed to stick around and having a ball so then is it fair to say before this were either of you ever to have anything to do with like crypto or web3 or nfts or was this game really like the first foray into that for y'all no the, the crypto thing came around obviously with the acquisition from animate brands so we were already making talk drift 2 prior to that acquisition um, and they really introduced us into into Web3 and everything, blockchain. Um, the tech particularly excites Billy and myself. Um, it's not um, – it's really what is – what it offers for players in the future, I think, is just – it's really exciting stuff. You know, digital ownership in itself, the concept is amazing. And I don't really think the industry has um, – taken full advantage of what it what it actually offers and and like with the stuff that you you see what we're working on we're trying to connect uh real life brands to the gaming experience and and web free um through hooks through the whole thing and and for us that is something different something unique and and pretty cool yeah yeah i I think we're aware of the technology well into like the, the development of talk drift one I guess we haven't really mentioned the game. So we've got Talk, Talk Burnout, which is on mobile, um, had roughly 40 million downloads. Um, we then went on to make a more worldwide, global appeal, 
motorsport game, which is drifting. Uh, we chose drifting because um, it's something that's still small, growing, um, but has a really large potential and something as an indie game studio we can really sink our teeth into in terms of signing up brands, um, making something that hasn't really been done uh, before. So, um, and at that time, we kind of were aware of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, but it was still very, oh, this one was this, it's it's weird because 2018, 2017, yeah. it's not that long ago, but it's it seems like the space has come such a long way. Oh, yeah. um, and and I think the use cases, uh, once we have, we kind of changed our thinking to blockchain for games, what does that actually mean at like a fundamental technology level? And then obviously being introduced to Anamoka um, really kind of connected those things. And, and we got very excited very fast, I think. I also, another point about the drifting angle, it's like it, when you relate it to all other motorsports, it is a very young motorsport. So, um, so basically what we're able to do, we're, we're able to sign deals that you, you could imagine Formula One and how difficult it would be to break into any kind of licensing or you know, getting through to managers and all, all those kind of um, things that you have to do. But with drifting, it, it's growing and and we're able to sign some awesome deals with some amazing companies which are kind of similar to us which are still still growing ourselves um and and looking for op- opportunities so um a lot of our business uh, happens in America um and you know one of our major partners Form- formula drift um we were able to sign a we're, we're a major sponsor of them and really kind of connect what we're doing virtually with the real experience as well which you know kind of also connects to how we're doing um our real life sales and so then um aaron you were mentioning earlier uh you wanted to talk about a good amount of how you guys are bringing kind of the digital and the physical together with your brand overall do you want to talk more about that well like initially with talk drift we signed um a lot of aftermarket parts and drivers and so like, these guys, um, they haven't been in games before, uh, guys and girls, and and it's like it's awesome to, they you know, they love to get their brand out. Some of them have, like, amazing brands, so we're happy to push it. So for us, it's this endless stream of content, which is cool, you know, like it's just great to to have these brands in the game. Um, but we're also, we're also promoting those brands. And um, recently... Um, it's in development right now is we're making, we're selling parts, these parts that we've signed in the game, we're selling them in real life. So what, and what web three does, it it enables, it enables us to connect the dots where if you own this NFT, like of an alloy wheel, you can get a discount of that exact alloy on our store. So it's like, if you're a fan of a brand, which, you know, in motorsport, um, passionate people love their brands, you know, they, they love repping certain uh, wheel brands or, or, you know, turbos, whatever. They put the stickers on the side of their car and stuff. So, um, and we're just giving them an extra way to connect to that brand. So, um, yeah, and, and I think Web3 definitely does that for us. You know, it, 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 it enables us to, to do something different and um and reward people for their you know for for being a fan yeah and in addition to that the other way around if you have people coming in 
who just want to buy car parts, um, we can give them access to the digital versions of those car parts for the game. So they, they kind of have a different way of um, discovering the utility and then they get something, right? They've bought the alloys for their car. We can give them digital alloys and they're like, you can use that in Talk Burnout, Talk Drift 1 and Talk Drift 2. And they have this whole new kind of experience outside of the traditional shopping experience, getting what they came for, maybe getting a good deal and um, going through the sales process to having this motorsport experience with this uh, new thing, a digital asset, which maybe they're not aware of. So that really excites us as well, going you know both ways from the game to the physical, from the physical back to the game um, and letting our players you know build cars um, alongside their digital cars, which I think is a really exciting um, proposition. And there's no reason why we can't do it. So we're like, let's let's just do it and um, and see what happens. Definitely, and, and I will say too um, for anyone who hasn't seen the trailer yet or gotten to look at some of the um, reveal, y'all have it, it's a AAA game. The graphics are amazing, lighting, uh, physics, everything from all the reveals I've seen. And the customization is going to be endless. And um, I appreciate that as a gamer. I'm not, I, I won't pretend that I'm a, a massive um, racing fan. I don't know enough about it, or I don't know enough about motorsport, motorsport fan, I should say. But I can appreciate the depth when I see it there, definitely. And I, I can tell y'all both have a huge passion for it and have really gone the extra mile to make sure that people also have a passion for that, clearly see it identified in your game. Absolutely, I, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, like we 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 were a mobile developer. So, you know, um getting games to work on on mobile has uh restrictions um and barriers that you have to cross. Um to, yeah. uh, Android, I don't know if anyone knows this, but there's there's over twenty thousand devices of Android that potentially might not like your your game. So there's there's a whole lot of issues in the Android world. Um it's a, you have to optimize it and stuff. And we said with uh, with Talk Drift Two and our future future games, we're really going very high quality, um, and we are doing AAA. Um, one thing you mentioned was customization, and we've really kind of doubled down on that. Um, we do full interior customization, um, and this is not this hasn't been seen. Um, I don't believe in any game yet um, to date, and we also include the real brands so all the brands that you see um and you can customize your car in in the game you can go buy that part you know what i mean um and we and we connect the experience um to to real real life no which is a really cool experience for um any any motorsport fan i mean being able to obviously i don't i'm not even massively into motorsports but i know it's a very expensive I don't want to call it for some people, it could be a very expensive hobby, but even a career, it's a very expensive career. There's a lot that goes into it and there's, um, you know, your team, your uh, vehicles, you know, customization, all that. So for a lot of people who, you know, it's a pipe dream or maybe it's something where they're like, you know, I would have loved to have done that, but I'm, I'm past that. This is a great way to really live that life fully and immersively, I think. And I really liked what you all said earlier about how if people own um, a specific NFT, that they can get the physical product in your shop for a discount or let's say a specific one that may only be available to people who have that NFT if, if that's something um, y'all do or are going to do in the future. And I like that you connect the physical and the digital, like you said, because I feel like most people, the NFTs are merely a, a digital like key or marker for them to either get into the game or do something unique in the game. But y'all are really bridging this gap 
where you're bringing it back out to your actual brand, your actual company saying like, it's great. Like if you just want to play the game, be an NFT holder, but like we're offering so much more than that utility wise and as a brand and as a company wise for people who are beyond just the game. Billy, you should really talk about um, how we kind of try and cater to different uh, gaming experiences. So yeah, um, I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just before that, I think you may have seen on the web store, but you, you might not have, you've seen the trailer. So, you know, the bobblehead at the start on the dash, on the car's dash. So the very first thing that we actually did, you know, venturing into the physical space is actually went through a whole process. We, we modeled that in 3D. We got that manufactured. We had, you know, uh, many months of R&D. We produced that, uh, packaged it. Um, it's available in real life. Um, and our premium keychain holders, which is the first kind of behind the scenes um, access uh, NFT that we did, they get that for free. They just pay, pay shipping on the website. You connect your wallet. And um, you get that sent to your house and you can put that. It actually comes with a little 3M strip so you can stick it on your dash just like in the trailer. Um, so like those, those kinds of things really uh, excite us and, and bring the fun back into, um, well, not back into, but enhances the fun of what we're doing. Um, and yeah, the digital and physical, we're always, we're always looking at ways to um, bring that experience back into the physical world um yeah yeah it's also really important to know that um that is as we you know we've been in this industry for 10 years and we realize um quite early on that players don't always enjoy the games the way you've designed it um so that you know as a game designer you think that um i'm making a drifting game let's make it all about drifting that you know the physical that you know how does it steer and all that kind of stuff and then what we found out is what um there's, there's a whole bunch of players out there that experience the game differently and they might spend all the time on customization or um, they might spend all the time tuning and um, or collecting. So there's different. So, you know, when we get into Web3, um, particularly with Talk Drift 2, is we're making different roles so people can enjoy the game differently. Um, and that also extends beyond the game too. So... Um, we're talking about, you know, trying to connect if you're a fan of that brand and you can go buy that part in real life. Um, so there's different there's different angles that we're trying to take on this and that's not traditional kind of game design. Um, and, you know, you mentioned earlier, Matt, about, um, you know, we're making a AAA game um, and, you know, is it is it like how, how is it going to be a playable experience? And, I, I, you know, I responded with that, we're, we are releasing experiences as we go along. So traditionally in mobile gaming, you have a release date. Um, you hit that or you, you often miss that date. Um, but, you know, you try and hit that date, you get it out, and then you release 100% of the experience. And you can add to it as you go along, um, and, and which is what we've done. But with this release is we're going to release experiences as we go along. So... Um, one of the first experiences is the garage and the customization aspect. Um, we also have a photo booth. So once you customize your car, you can take photos of, of your car on different angles and share it on socials. And then beyond that, we're going to release like a dyno and then uh, fully painting your, your, your car. Then there's going to be driving experiences, um, then cruise and, and all different kind of game design elements as we move forward. So we're going to be releasing that in stages. Um, and 
one is coming very shortly, which is our first um, first experience. Yeah. And the idea behind that is that we don't want to sit in isolation, create this game that we think everyone wants based on you know our best guess or our experience. Um, we can build it alongside yeah. the people who are going to be playing it because they you know often um, very often have the best ideas and we're making it for them at the end of the day. Um, it's not just a you know personal project that we're making for ourselves. So, um, and I just think it's it's a funner way to to make games. Um, it's kind of we do live ops games, um, which means that we we're doing updates you know every month or every other month, and those updates are purely or majority of the time driven by the community feedback and um, what what they want. So it's like, well, let's do that from the start um, and and um, go from there. So um, we've, we have a roadmap. We have features, you know, we want to include, but we try to, so, you know, for multiple reasons, right, because we want to release things um, as soon as possible, but we also don't want to overguess what everyone wants so that we can release something We're like, hey, what does everyone think the next um, few features to be added in here in terms of priority should be? People can um, vote and comment, give feedback, and then we do that, you know. Um, so there's going to be driving, there's going to be multiplayer um, competitive uh, driving, but there's a lot in between that um, that can be um, influenced by what the community wants. So, yeah, I think it's really exciting. I, I totally agree with that. And so, and that's a big thing that's really nice in Web3 gaming is a lot of companies and developers have their roadmap, but then always kind of create space in between each milestone to go. If the community wants something more than this, we're happy to delay this to give the community what they want. And I think you get a really bolstered community when people want to stick around because they get to decide the future of the game. They get to have some sort of influence. I mean, there's tons of people out there who, you know, maybe they've always wanted to be game developers or do something in VFX or have some sort of influence on a game that, you know, it's just not going to be for them or they'll have no way. And being a part of a community really gives them this access and aspect to be able to do that. And it's really cool to be able to see a game, if you really like it, develop over time and be like, I had a hand in that. And it just makes you a more loyal follower. And so I'm wondering, is is that a big part of why you all wanted to develop a Web3 like NFT game instead of because you could have just made this a traditional game? Obviously, you didn't have to go down this route. And so I'm wondering if that was a big part or if there was other things as well that made you want to make it particularly like a Web3 game. I think, you know, Aaron, you will have some thoughts on this, obviously. But the the way that we saw and Aaron touched on it, the players were playing our previous games. They were creating such large amounts of value that it felt um, it didn't feel right to just create the game, have all that value coming back to us, right? And Web3 and blockchain gives us an avenue to um, give that back to the people generating the most value. So when you look at Facebook as a company, some, something ridiculous like $100 billion last year, it's like when you, you think about it and you step back, it's like who's creating the value here? It's, it's the people making the content on Instagram that gets the eyeballs that, um, you know, has the revenue from advertising coming into Facebook. It's like how much of that money is going back to the people making that content? And I think we can all <laughs> guess it's it's Zero. less than. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. when you think less of it like that, it, it seems. Well, yeah, exactly. Continue though. Um, and when you think of it like that, um, and there's many, many examples of that in, you know, Web2, as we would say, more, more centralized 
um, store of people's data. Um, but we just, I just don't think that that's what games are going to be in the future. You know, there's the creator modes in Fortnite, people creating uh, experiences and value for other players that continues to have people come back for those things. And um, I think it's only fair that, that people get a cut, a slice of that, that pie. So I'll also add that we're exploring uh, modding. So, you know, yeah, if people are going to bring value to the game, then they potentially could make their own NFT to sell within our marketplace to to un to unlock something for, for for players. So yeah, I think those those kind of angles of gaming development are really important these days. I, I think um, like I've seen um some incredible stats around the modding community games where um they might not hit the market um, very you know huge, but they they build up over over time. And some games, uh, you know, eight years later are still trajecting up because they've built the community and the community has built the entire experience, you know what I mean? So if we can um, do that as opposed to making a AAA game that might peak and then drop because no one's feeding that, you know, no one's no one's building a community around that. So um, there, there are a couple of angles that we're, that we're taking as well. Um, the other thing we haven't touched on, yet or relating to blockchain is our cars so um, we're working with nissan to create their first kind of nfts and entry entering into the space um but you can do some really cool stuff with with nfts because they can they maintain history right you can put it on chain from gameplay data um and trading um, history between players and you know we might have the same um variant or, or model of, of car myself and aaron but maybe Aaron is a far better driver than me. Um, I don't think that's, that's the case. True. But uh, yeah. and um, <laughs> he might win a bunch of tournaments, and people want to buy Aaron's car, not mine. So that's it's stuff you can add value through the players' um, gameplay that's continually added, and um, and it's a different value proposition than just maybe this car has different wheels. Maybe that's on on the on chain, but it has gameplay data attached to it, and and that's that's valuable as well. Based on the Definitely. legacy, it, like like law is obviously important um, around community and and like, but motorsports has has that. Do you know what I mean? And a car, um, and its its history becomes you know mythical and and it just becomes this incredible story around it, and that has value. You know what I mean? So we can, so yeah, we're, we're just trying to tap tap into what makes uh, th- this people passionate about this industry which is really interesting like you don't as what you mentioned matt you don't have to be a motorsports person to necessarily get something out of this you know what i mean so i know a lot of people they might like car games but not necessarily in into cars but um and uh, you know they might like we have um it's incredible artist in talk drift one um he's 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 tag uh, tag, tag name is markina um he just paints libraries, which is the design on on the cars, and using our tools, he makes these amazing designs. Because I can't stop talking about this. Like in every single podcast, I t- I talk about this the same guy, um, and it's like he's like he's spending hours designing these cars for no for no value. You know what I mean? He's just doing it because he loves it. He's just passionate. Yeah. And it's like imagine. So he's created a law like people people actually pay him in real life to to design their cars library 
imagine being out, him being able to sell NFTs of people that get the rights to use that library in real life. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like his passion uh, all of a sudden becomes accessible. No, that's amazing. So I'll dig into three things here. Uh, one, I totally agree with you about modding. Uh, because I think we've seen it, it's amazing to me just if we look at traditional gaming, how modding has carried games that are, like you said, eight, 10 years old at this point, and people yeah. are still playing it, still loving it because of modding. Or people have, like, hey, I basically rebuilt the game from the ground up with this mod, and you can play it's it's the same assets, but it's a totally different experience, totally different game. And then communities release that on their own, they get a massive amount of support, uh, and people love that. I love that. I'm a massive fan of that. I, I'm also a massive fan of, uh, I'm not a motorsports person, but I like racing games and I really love customization. I always have a blast with customization because that's how I've learned so much about motorsports, cars, things of that nature. Um, I have a cousin who's very much into motorsports and I can never talk shop with him to save my life. But I always have a really fun time listening to him explain stuff to me and talk shop with me. It's funny you brought up models, like specific like uh like, you know, like a Corvette Stingray, like it's like iconic in a way, like a specific brand or model that has like its own lore to it. And I guess I'm wondering, outside of that, do you all plan to have any sort of lore with your game or is it really you're sticking to the motorsport specific lore, which would make sense? I think I think the, the players will definitely create their own lore around this. I think that's that's almost a given. Um, oh, here's another cool thing that we're doing. Um, so... Um, we always we talk about quantities of something and like how does that really work? You know, we're going to release uh, ten thousand of this one car, or you know, and we kind of we're going to tap into the ratios of of what's actually released in real life. So, um, for example, a model of a car comes in different variants um, and different different models of that of that of that make, um, and we're going to so yeah, midnight purple. Um, there's only a hundred of them in real life. We're going to have the ratio of that purple release in the game, the same kind of thing. So, so the um, the rarity of something is aligned, so we can get the actual stats of how many of one car in what in what color have have has been sold. That'll be cool. Yeah, I mean scarcity is is a big thing in all the NFTs in Web three, but when you have a legitimate scarcity like that, I'm much more behind it than the arbitrary ten thousand number. Uh, going yeah, out ten thousand. Ten thousand is a lot less than a hundred thousand or a million. But you go that. That's I like that. That's a lot more interesting, true to life. Totally. On, on the um, so we are setting you know baseline kind of a story. You know, you're a driver. You'll come back to um, your garage in fictional Japanese city, um, and you can kind of progress just like in real life in two different areas, which is like the streets. Um, so the game's based in Japan. Um, we haven't touched on that yet, but that's where drifting was born. So has such a, a, a large history of, of the, the, um, the sport and the passion behind drifting develop. And then eventually, you know, it's gone worldwide. Um, but we want to tap into both of those um, different areas, I guess, or lifestyles of drifting, which are still very much alive today. So the, the back streets of Japan in the Togays and the hills, um, progressing there and street reputation um, building your car for the streets and then building your car for the worldwide circuit like Formula Drift, which is, if you ask any driver, um, they're completely different uh, ball games in terms of how you approach uh, driving in those environments and how you set up your car, how it looks, um, you know, sponsors that you get to, to um, promote their parts, things like that. 
Um, so as a driver, you're you're uh, progressing in these two different environments and doing um, completing different kinds of challenges and competing in different ways against other players. Yeah, there's more to it, but we'll we'll leave it there. <laughs> we'll leave it there for now. No, that's really cool. I I really like that you pay homage to that history. Um, and as a big fan of Japan, I don't know if either of you are, are um familiar with. Or maybe you've heard of it since you're both into motorsport. Um, if you've never heard of Initial D, the manga or anime, yeah, yeah. So, even even that is a motorsport. Like, a, I don't consider myself like a motorsport person. Like, that's a, I love that for the uh, the history it gave of all that going on in Japan at the time. And I still love that there are people who drive around in their customized cars and go through the hills and drift. And it's a really cool subculture that still exists to this day that I really appreciate. Um, I did not know about it until I read Initial D that that is where drifting originated. I never could have guessed that. So I thought that was really cool. Um, honestly, what chain are your NFTs on? And are you planning to stick with one chain? Or are you all thinking of going wherever the chains may lead you, you know? And currently, uh, so we're going with Polygon. Um, and that is, is it for a few reasons. Um, they're heavily gaming focused. Um, I just read this morning um, the previous head of gaming, uh, the CEO, Ryan, has stepped down, actually. And there's somebody else coming up as CEO of Polygon. But there's still a big big focus on gaming, um, and you can kind of see that through their, their efforts and their, their partnerships. Um, also, the Rev ecosystem um, is part of Animoca Brands. So we're part of the, yeah, the Rev ecosystem of motorsport um, blockchain games um, within Animoca um, by backed by and built with the, the rev token. Um, and, you know, one of the main areas that that is on is on Polygon because um, it's fast, it's cheap. Um, you know, who knows what the future will hold, I guess, is the, the probably the key thing you want to say in, in this space because things change a lot. Um, we're just trying to make, you know, the decisions that make the most sense uh, now and leave us with the most uh, flexibility in the future because any other route, I think, and um, bite you in the butt. <laughs> no, of course. Well, and with that, I, I I totally understand that, and I think Polygon's a great choice. By the way, uh, you're right; they're very gaming focused. I think a lot of Web three is going with Polygon for a very good reason. And I'm wondering if you can uh, twofold. If you want to talk about Rev Token at all, for anybody unaware, with Ant, because it sounds like it's related to Animoca, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious definitely to hear more about that. So is that specifically for like their gaming ecosystem or is that specifically just like their own ecosystem token that they use for a variety of things? They use, use it, it's, it's motorsport related. So anything, gotcha. so there's other titles already that have already been created um, in Web3 um, and Rev is the token. So, and and that token is going to be expanded on in the future. Um, you know, you're going to hear some announcements as, as we move forward, but um, we... It's it's really cool that um, Web three can align very strongly. Um, the the message of utility works really well with motorsport. Um, so because a car has a certain amount of horsepower and it has a certain weight, so if you want to put the utility of that car into another game, you can you can use that metadata and and it works. It makes sense. You know what I mean. Um, and now that we've signed uh, a lot of aftermarket parts, exactly the same thing. So the metadata will 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 contain that. And Rev is going to be used for the vehicles within our game. And obviously, the higher level thinking is 
that the utility of that vehicle will work in other future titles that are made under the Rev e e ecosystem. Um, yeah. So like we, you know, like we sign these deals um, and is is amazing brands and it's not easy doing licensing deals. It's, it's massive pain in the ass if I'm honest. <laughs> um, and, and so like once you get that and you have utility of an NFT that you could have life beyond these projects that we're working on, um, then it makes sense to to make something that is utility focused and protect, yeah has has value in the future. I think I always think about this that the NFTs that we're creating now um, can have a really long life and will exist in projects that we have no idea about. You know, um, and I, I think that is super cool. Well, they could exist. Obviously, it's all licensing branded and it has to be approved, but I think the utility options are there. Um, it's not like a uh, a sword or a <laughs> BFG that you know it doesn't relate into a different. You know, like it. Yeah. I like the homage to BFG there. We won't, we won't say <laughs> that that's her, but I, I got you. Yeah, big Doom fan. Um, I guess too. So, was there any traditional like games that y'all took inspiration from, or were you mainly just taking inspiration from the real life motorsport itself? Um, Inspiration is is obviously you know, we we're human beings and and you don't take inspiration from many different angles. Um, we try to do stuff different, to be honest. And I and and I don't know whether it's to the detriment of what we're doing, but I want to make something unique. Like we are we are the creators of something completely new. It's like why should we copy anything that's out there? You know, it's like we we can make whatever the hell we want. And, and, and I, yeah, I'm always, I'm always quite shocked when I see existing motor sport, I'm not going to name them because I'll just be, I'll just be destroyed. Um, but existing motorsport titles that just co copy each other. And I, I don't understand that. I, I genuinely don't understand it. Why, why if they're creating something from scratch and they have these amazing brands and, and, you know, this content why they have to kind of make the same same i i yeah um so we're definitely trying to do something different yeah i guess um in terms of what i played growing up i played just a lot of mmos a lot of runescape a lot of world of warcraft uh gosh how many hours did you have in world, world of warcraft? i don't want to say no, no. Say, say that loud. <laughs> no, you, you gotta like... say it come on uh, yeah <laughs> well look there's I wouldn't say as bad. Like there's there's many people out there who have a, way lot, a lot yeah. a lot more hours. Um, but I think when I, when I stepped away was when you go slash played and it pops up and it was like 260 days and you're like, okay, I'm only 18. Um, that's almost a full year of my life. Uh, so let's let's kind of step back. I actually think it was worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like there's such. I think what I take away from those games is I don't think about the mechanics. I don't think about the combat. I don't think about the leveling progression so much. Like I think about the the stories and the, and the unique kind of experiences I had, like doing raids at Molten Core, like with my guild, like the people like I've met and like the friendships and and you know while I spent a lot of time in there, that that's the kind of stuff. That I remember, um, and trying to bring that over into the games that we make, 
uh, and create those lasting stories and experiences, I guess that's the key word, you know, experiences um, in the games is, is what I probably took away from all of that time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a hard thing to capture because what you and I may think of when we're developing a game is, you know, the experiences to a degree, you know, we're always going to be a little biased and it's going to be catered towards us because we're building the game. We're like, well, I think this would be really cool. I'd exactly. love to see this. And then you always have to be like, well, it's obviously not all about me. It's great if I'm the only one playing my game, but I'm trying to, you know, make money here. I'm trying to develop a game, I'm trying to get a community around this. So I have to think, as Aaron said earlier, there's a lot of other ways different people will play your game that you will never even think of until you see them play it. And you're like, I'm really glad somebody figured that out or did this differently because now it gives us so many more ideas I wouldn't have had. Again, uh, teamwork just makes you think so differently when other people bounce their ideas off one another. And I, I as someone who was a RuneScape fan, yeah, I, I played that with my friends. Um, I tried getting into WoW, but I didn't have enough friends, so I fell out of it. But <laughs> what RuneScape was one that always stuck, and that's I agree with you. The experiences I have with that is not everything you said. It was getting to go explore like the cool quest with my friends or a friend coming to school the next day and be like, dude, did you do this quest? Like, I got this cool thing, and I'm like, will you help me do it? And they're like, of course I'll help you do it. And then like it's that experience of like a shared community aspect of having a fun time exploring, um, getting those experience. And yeah, but obviously everyone doesn't have the same experience with a game. So it gets really difficult where you you just that's again as a developer as a game creator like that is your prime function is you're like i just want people to have fun playing my game if nothing else yeah i i guess like when you when you look at it it's like creating the environment where those things can happen um is probably Fostering probably it, yeah. our our role it's just like giving giving the most opportunity for those kinds of um op, you know experiences to flourish maybe they won't happen in the same way with we think they might, but um, well, they definitely won't happen in the way that we think they would. I just, I, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. I, yeah, it's just if we can kind of create something that lets people explore, you know, lets people try different things, then, then I think that's pretty much our job. I'll also say that players will create stuff that is like a. Th- a thousand times better than you than you could have imagined. You know what I mean? Like they, they, modding to me particularly is exciting because it's like you have ten thousand developers working on your game. You know what I mean? Like like, and they'll do like weird things or wacky things, and and or they might do a different layout or a different track concept and stuff, and something that you would have never explored. And I I, I try to you know explain it to my staff here that. Um, that it's not always about what we create. It's like we have to inspire them to, you know, we, we we can we can set the benchmark. It's like we can we can make a track and look and make it look pretty. And then we can release, give them the ability to make their own tracks and just see what what comes back is is it's just crazy. You know, like um I, I'm completely blown away by what some of the what some of the things that people are capable of creating. Oh, definitely. And so it sounds like to me you know, a big thing that you want your project to differ with, like a big experience and things you're trying to bring to your community is almost this sense of creativity of expression. Because, you know, you have the customization, you want people to do modding, you want people to, you know, maybe maybe break the game, maybe not break the game, but basically expand upon different assets and different ways of playing the game and making it more involved in a way you could have ever hoped and dreamed. Am I, am I correct in that thinking? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Can like, we can we use that quote in our marketing? Really cool. <laughs> Please go ahead. <laughs> Whatever you want, go ahead. I that's that is in my opinion um one of the reasons I love web3 so much for for gaming specifically because with traditional gaming I think there's so many what ifs after regrets of going if only we could push out different updates or if only we could change this or change that and so a lot of games they just go we develop our game, we put it out, you love it, you hate it. That's all it's said and done. Some of them, obviously, they're like, no, we've we've listened. We love that people love modding. We make that a thing, even though the base game is, you know, it doesn't change. But modding, you can add things to the game. And then you have people, uh, or I guess rather now Battle Royale is a big thing where they're just like, it's it's the same base core play, but we're always trying to change, add different dynamics, different mechanics every season, you know? And so with Web3, it's like you can have all three of those and then so much more. People are always wanting to add in their own ideas, add in their own different experiences, and really just build the game into some something so different than, you, as we said, anything you could have ever hoped and dreamed. And so with that, I I think that right now it's, it's an interesting parallel. Web3 Gaming is coming right up, if not already parallel to traditional gaming and how it plays. And I'm curious if you all think there's a point where they're going to keep running parallel for the time being, or if you think Web3 Gaming is going to surpass that. But since we don't have a massive adoption rate yet, it won't appear that way. I, th- I think the um, the adoption thing will, if it's to succeed, it will be effortless. And what I mean by that is is the players won't necessarily know that they're using the tech from blockchain. And I think that's kind of like the end goal. So there's a lot of friction from Web2 players. Um, but I think in the end that what they get back out of the gaming experience is so much better that, you know, we're just going to design systems, the onboarding that will be a far, far more pleasant than what that is now, that they'll, they'll, they'll just love it. You know what I mean? Um, I think, you know, we, we talk about Web3 and, and, you know, we use these catchphrases and stuff. Um, hopefully it just becomes gaming. You know what I mean? Like it's just you log into this game. And it happened. You can actually sell your digital asset. You know what I mean? Like that's just that to me is cool. You know, um, and I just I kind of I don't like getting into the arguments. You know what I mean? I, I just think it's kind of it's kind of just redundant. It's just kind of stupid. Um, when mobile gaming went free to play, there was a lot of friction and there's a lot of issues um, around uh, players not being happy about it. Um, they said, you know, it's the day I'm never going to play that. But guess what? Everyone plays free to play games. If you don't have it free to play, people complain now. So it's it's you know the the community's flipped, um, the expectations are flipped, and I, I you know I think that will happen with Web three. I think um, as systems get built up, where it becomes easy, you just log into it. Um, Fractal does an amazing like gaming experience that, that you can get quite into gaming without too much effort you know what i mean um and i think i think those those kind of angles um and how to think about how we develop for that um yeah we'll, we'll make just it'll just make it gaming you know what i mean yeah i, I think it probably is going to coincide with a more of a cultural shift around people's ownership over their, their data online as well like once you like flip the story but like Hang on, why don't I own my items and games, and then and or you know X Y Z? Why don't I own my my data with Facebook? 
and then then that will slowly creep into games like why don't i own my my um my sword or my car or my backpack in these games um and and the you know the natural solution to that is is blockchain um i think separate to yeah the whole blockchain that conversation around ownership of, of data is coming anyway so it's kind of very good timing or it'll look like good timing once it all kind of converges i think yeah i would agree with that and and i i do agree about um i liked how earlier in our conversation you know we're talking about how and correct me if i'm wrong on this how if you owned a specific nft it looks like you for like an alloy uh you could get that in you could use that across all of your games that your company's developed right it's not specific to one and so that's what i see going really forward is Let's just talk about specifically. I don't. I don't play um, like NBA or um, NFL, any of the sports games. But I know that's a big pain point for a lot of people. Is every year it comes out, you know, jerseys, power ups, things of that nature. People spend a lot of money on it, and then they get ticked off that it can't carry over into the next year's game. And so, something where owning your own assets, people would be, I think, much more thrilled at the idea of going. Yeah, I can bring this over every year going forward because, like. Why would that? It's still, you know, there's still going to be jerseys in the game. It's still a sports game. As long as it makes sense in the realm of items and aspects, I can see it moving forward. And I think that's a big thing going forward that people are going to love and want, especially for certain franchises or certain games where they're like, I'm on four or the fifth iteration of this game. I've been playing since the first one. I love the idea of being able to use items I have from the first one in the fifth one to show people how long I've been a fan of this game or maybe they have a unique ability or aspect that only people who've been playing since the first one can get. I think that's a big thing for people going forward oh, who are going to love to see that. It's like it's like the the value of uh, like being an OG or you know like I think it's 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 so cool and people love that um you know some of the skins in Fortnite the very early ones and that you know you just can't get them again and uh, yeah that's that's just crazy cool. So I'm glad to see because y'all are the first people I've talked to have actually done that where um, you're able to utilize it in multiple games. To be fair, most other Web3 gaming companies I've talked to, especially AAA, have just recently gotten into their AAA title. And that's just where, you know, that's where all their energy is going because that's where the community lies. And they want to make sure that's bolstered and well built. Uh, sometimes they don't feel the need to build another game and that's totally all right. Sometimes they just, as we've discussed, they have their milestones and they keep developing on that game where... Maybe in traditional gaming, we would have had a second or third iteration of this series, but to them, it's just been an ongoing series as a whole because the community is there and that's what they want. It's interesting to think about that. Like, I think for a, from a player's aspect, um, being able to carry items across is cool. Everyone wants that. Um, I want that. Um, and But as a developer, it, it does, you know, to how you monetize the game, you know, like a... Uh, Forza gets releases a new version every every couple of years. Um, if if you carry across items, all of a sudden they don't tap into their fan base who is they know is going to spend a certain amount rebuying the same the same cars. So it's it's a different way of thinking. Um, and and developers are going to kind of work out how they're going to monetize um, that move moving forward. Yeah. I think that touches on some interesting nuance which we've kind of adopted internally. It's like transferability of assets, but not progression. So progression um, is important for that specific game that you've bought, um, brought over your assets into. And you might think of that as like, you know, why not bring the progression as well? But it's, it's funny because like the players, if you give a player 
It's like you unlock everything in the game, right? All of a sudden, the game's not fun anymore. Yeah. There's no, there's no things to drive you forward to, um, you know, for things to be hard to, to get better and then, and then win. Do you know what I mean? You just have everything. And so the progression is actually uh, what you want to keep and build around the transferable um, pieces of content that you have between, you know, multiple games. Um, so that's just like a um, little bit of nuance around interoperability that we've been thinking about internally. I will say definitely you unlock everything, the game's broken. People just stop, stop <laughs> playing. I remember initially, originally, um, we, um, I think we trialed like a, um, like a one payment mobile fee and, and uh, in-app purchase, which unlocks everything. And then you just see like, some people think it's really cool and they do it, but that's it. They, they stop playing after two weeks because there's nothing, there's nothing to be proud of. You know what I mean? There's nothing to um, inspire. Sure. And so it will definitely come down to like a delicate balance of maybe there's just classic cars or classic items based on your game that if there was a hundred items in the game, you're like, these 10 are always going to transfer over no matter what, because they're considered like classic OG items or skins or whatever for the game. But you're still going to always have things you're going to need to unlock, purchase, buy. So I, I get what you're saying. There's definitely a healthy balance to be had for sure. So I don't know how much y'all have heard about a lot of the traditional gaming uh, companies getting more into a lot of this Web3. So I don't know if you've seen or heard about, for instance, like Razer has their own Web, Web3 VC firm. They call it their incubator. And so they take a lot of games. People get to pitch to them and they're, they're wanting to get more developed and working into it. And then um, the CTO of Epic Games is working with Yuga Labs on their other side. And so I think that's a great thing. I think it's really good because you have people who really know the industry well really know how to develop great games and really understand everything from you know basic building all the way up to marketing operability you know tangibility things that you've all talked about and i'm wondering if y'all are thinking that's a good thing and you're for it or if you have some reserves or issues about it that maybe some worries um I, my personal opinion is it's it's good it's good for everyone you know um i think they're going to struggle it's going to be harder for them i think that's that's one of the benefits of being smaller and maybe uh, not having such a, a large uh, legacy, I guess, um, in, in the Web2 space is because you, you see like Ubisoft's uh, first attempt into bringing um, blockchain um, items and whatnot into their, into their games um, was, you know, was met with a lot of pushback. Um, so I think initially it's going to be harder for them, um, but in the long term it's a benefit for everybody um, that these larger companies come in. Um, so I guess if you're looking to make, you know, blockchain games, um, you have some great ideas, like jump on it and start, start building now. Um, Cause I think it's a, it's a great um, time and opportunity. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. It'll just take time. I do too. I, I'm a big fan of it. I also just like seeing the, uh, the healthy mesh, because uh, I feel like for a long time, like traditional gaming kind of like, I don't want to say they turned their nose up at it. That wasn't, they were skeptical for sure. They were just like, what's, how's this going to play out? And then when they saw really small independent teams playing it out really well and developing successful uh, games, they were like, there's obviously something to this if it's done right and there's proper uh, cadences taken into place. And so I think that's a big thing where they go, hey, we fully admit this is something that we don't fully understand and have the knowledge of, but we would love to work with people who do because we know where our skill sets lie and we'd love to have a good team effort, obviously their collaboration. And so I think that's a big thing happening now 
And I'm all for it to see what happens, especially like you said, like the bigger companies like Ubisoft, uh, Razer, um, you know, Epic, former CTO. Like, I think it's just going to be we're going to we're starting to get into the realm now. Of, I think for a long time we had kind of like just mobile games and we still get that a lot in Web3, you know, like uh, on it's almost reminds me of the early like 2010s where like there was a dime a dozen mobile games that really weren't that fun to play. They were there's a lot of shovelware and for every like maybe 10 games, there was a gem in there just because everybody was like rushing to get their game onto the app store, get it downloaded. And it kind of felt like that in Web3 for a while. There's a lot of games that just were were OK yeah. to play, weren't that fun to play. But now I feel like in the last year to three years we've been seeing a lot of really great games a lot of great development a lot of great people behind it and so i I, i'm a big fan of it and been a big fan of that going forward i think in the end the tech the tech is what is they want to hook into they understand um what it means um for development and what it can mean for the future and um i that's obviously why they're they're still interested regardless of of what the you know the community's thoughts on it um they the tech will always win tech you know if um if there's a lot of uh problems that are solved with this then you know that's that's why they're kind of thinking about it i think when, when you're talking about like games popping up now matt that are higher quality when you think about it it actually makes a lot of sense right we had this mass amount of money come in in the last uh, crypto bull run into funding game studios making games uh, not many people know, but games take a long time to make, <laughs> especially high quality ones. So, um, you know, a year, two years, sometimes three years um, down the line where all of that investment is actually, you know, you're getting the fruits of that with these games coming out. Um, I think we're going to be seeing more and more of that. Um, and well, hopefully we do, right? Hopefully these these companies have been able to use that money uh, wisely and produce something of high quality. Um, but I, th I think, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more, um, in this space, uh, in the next, in the coming six to six to 12 months. I do too. I definitely think it's just going to keep the ball rolling. Like you said, it's, it's the, the seeds have been planted and now we're really seeing the fruits of the labor. So yeah. obviously everybody at some point, both of you included had some, some point where you started this journey into where you're at now that you arguably had no idea what you were doing or you were just trying to figure it out and i always try to ask people i'm like if you could talk to younger folks right now who wanted to you know maybe they want to get exactly to where you want to go maybe they just want to get in the same realm uh what advice would you give them just it doesn't have to be super complicated just maybe simple just be like you know for me i'm always just like find something that you enjoy that is a niche and and stick with it and you will get noticed by people and other people will want to work with you as long as you are kind and care and really try to be passionate about the projects you work on. And so that's something I always try to tell younger people. I'm like, just get started. Just keep going. It's going to take time. Don't don't put a marker on it unless that's something that works for you. But I'm curious if either you have anything uh, of that nature, just advice to give to younger people who maybe want to just, doesn't have to be related to Web3, but just want to get started, you know, maybe in game development or motorsports. Even. Um, I, my, my number one is just find the fun. And it's, it's a very, it's a common statement. Um, but I think a lot of developers miss that. Um, and it's something that we're constantly, like, it's really interesting because we're, we're trying to uh, find the fun within every aspect of the game. So, so maybe like, where is the fun in customizing your, your car? You know, where is the fun in creating a crew and, and the experience that you have with your friends? You know what I mean? So um, 
I think I think it's missed a lot in in game development these days. Um, and I think like you know we're trying to make high quality games, which takes a lot of people uh, in the building above us um, to to sort. It, do, it doesn't have to be like that. Do you know what I mean? It can be you, you can go in with a couple. I've seen amazing games made by a couple of people, um, and they guess what? They found the fun. Um, the visuals uh, is you know is nowhere near as as important as as the game as the gameplay. Um, uh, also, audio. I think I I treat audio equal to visuals, which is funny because I'm a visual person. Um, but I think audio is critical. And I think that's missed a lot in game development, um, the investment in the audio side side of things. Yeah, and I, I think I would say just be curious, like continually be curious about the technology that's being used in this space. Try not to like, – obviously you, you need to be aware and knowledgeable of what's going on, um, but try not to be following what everyone else is doing. Um, if you're making a blockchain game, using blockchain – understand how blockchains work you know what is what actually is the technology underneath what kinds of things can you do with it and then um how can that plug into other things that you know like you like if you're uh, an entrepreneur using new technologies and then plugging that into things you already know your existing knowledge base um is you know where really magical um, bits of software comes out and yeah, just just being curious and really understanding um, the tech behind all of this stuff, um, because I think it can do a lot more than it's currently doing. And uh, you don't want to just do whatever else. You don't want to be following other people um, based on what they've figured out. Uh, so, so having that you know first principles approach to um, learning um, what you're building, I think is what I'd say. No, I think that's I think that's really great advice from both of you, and I would I would wholeheartedly agree with both of those. Well, then the last question I have for you is uh, I, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I always try to come back to it at the end because it's it's not the most important question; it's a fun question, more so. Um, <laughs> like what what kind of uh, what were some of your favorite games growing up, or if you still game currently, are there any games that you're just like I keep finding myself coming back to this? Well, I. I do play. I I research games. Like I'll play um, various different games to see what's out there. Um, I you know um, I I'm also a retro gamer. So so I like I you know I I'm a massive Street Fighter fan. Um, I, I, I like the fighting games. Um, I've got pinball machines just outside this wall. Um, I've got ar- arcade machines. I got a Neo Geo. Um, old school. You know, big giant cartridge kind of thing. Um, Me too. Me too. I yeah, love, I love so Neo Geo. I, I, <laughs> um, obviously, I'm kind of uh, highlighting my age, um, but it's you know, I'm I'm a product of of the '80s. You know, where uh, arcades were a thing. Um, uh, over here, we call them penny penny parlors or um, do we? Yeah. Well, pennies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back in my in my day, um, but yeah, no. So I like I'm very much an old school gamer, um, and um, I make games a little bit different. Like I don't, I, I mentioned it earlier. I don't like to copy um, other uh, other games, and I just trying to make something cool. And also, 
we also talked about it previously, is like I'm trying to make a game that lets other people make the game. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I, we definitely don't have all the answers and um, we're going to stumble as we go along. Um, but I think, you know, with a live ops game that could have a life of eight to ten years, then, uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to come up. So you just kind of, it's like a you raise a child, and they they'll when they pass a point they'll just be themselves. You know, I think gaming is very similar, um, and it will it will take a life of its own. Yeah, outside of like I spent a lot of time in, in RuneScape, World of Warcraft. Um, there's this PS2 game called Mashed. Not sure if you played that, Matt. It sounds so familiar. I got a PS2 like way after everyone. My family was like Nintendo people growing up, so of course. But yeah. I got it. And I of course, that's just because my I don't know. My dad was an Atari guy. And um then I think he was just uh he just went Nintendo and that was rude. He had two young sons. And so that was just me, me, my brother, and my dad. That was always our thing, was um, you know, like N64, then GameCube, and then after that, everyone kind of grew up, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I did love my PS2. I just got it way after the fact. I was always jealous of everyone else's house. Always had really cool PS2 games, and I was like, dang, I want a PS2. But yeah, no, I, now I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. But continue. Yeah, is this like third person, um, like car battle? Like it's like a race, but it's not really. Um, you blow each other up and bump people off the track and stuff. It's super fun. Um, SSX. Like I remember having this, oh, yeah. this trial. Crazy. Yeah, there was this trial disc uh, with SSX on it. And it mm-hmm. had a time limit, right? So me and my brother, we didn't have the full game. We would just see how far we could get before the time runs out down this, down this, you know, level. And in terms of like game feel, that was like one of the coolest games. Uh, they, just, they definitely found the fun in that. Yeah. And and you could just just over like exploring and break you know, breaking out of the of 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 the um the track, whatever. Like I think, yeah, I they definitely found found yeah. the fun in that one. These days. Like I love games like Satisfactory. Um, absolutely love that game. I could just I could just ruin my life in that game, building up a fictional factory, making making stuff. You know what I mean? Like um, I love interconnecting things and resource management and, and all that kind of stuff that sounds boring when you like come play this game with me. We're gonna like build these like mines and then we're gonna like transport it to this factory that's gonna make gold bars out of it and I'm like i don't want to play that <laughs> i mean that's that's literally my brother though like one of his favorite games is um city skyline and he's just like yeah i'm just a city planner i just run a city yep. you know just like roller coaster tycoon you're running a theme park but he's like i don't know why i just love it because i can i can gamify it what well, is gamified obviously yep. but he's like it feels like real life gamified and you just put it down to simple process and you're like i could run a city after this you're like i don't know if it'd be the same way but you know good yeah. good to think about i really admire the stuff that coffee stain who makes satisfactory how they how they're doing kind of their their media marketing on their youtube the, the development the tutorials yeah. and that's kind of um that's inspirational to us for sure. yeah we're trying to do like we do a lot of uh, media on youtube we have sure. like people um in the u.s going to real drift events doing um trackside chats with um uh, gamers and, and drivers um we've just started off a behind the scenes kind of devlog series kind of showing how we we make stuff behind the scenes so yeah but that's been a big inspiration for us just like how they make the games and you know the new skate skate game and stuff like that side note 
if you're a, um, if you're a developer, you don't really have much time to make to play games. Yes, um, <laughs> that that is what I, I've always heard. <laughs> I can you know I can ex I can experience it for a little bit, but I I you know I've got an 18 year old son who can finish games, but I, I can I don't have time. I can, I can speak to just from everything going on and I don't have kids. Uh, the backlog continues to grow, but the time to play the backlog yeah. continues to shrink yep. as time goes on. Unfortunately, that's exactly, uh, but, but I do like, uh, like you all said, I, I love, I feel like I've discovered so many smaller indie game studios because I find a particular game that resonates with me and I go, who, who is the studio who these people? And then, yeah, they always, I love seeing behind the scenes on YouTube. I love them showing the team. They're like, Oh, this is how we came up with this concept or this. Um, and I think people really appreciate that because it makes them like it. They feel more connected to the game in that sense of you're not just seeing people's name in a credit list or, you know, uh, sometimes with certain companies, like you'll never hear about the director if no one else, because they're the person always doing the interviews. You really get an insider look at the people working on the team, the things they like, the ways they have fun, the things they, they laugh about, they cry about their inspiration. And I, I think it really humanizes the whole process a lot more because I think a lot of people just forget that there are people behind this experience you're playing who created it from the ground up completely. It's it's not something that a computer just made for you. Obviously, there's computers involved, there is technology involved, but by and large, it's always been people make it first and for other people to experience. 100%. We had this interesting problem where... Um, uh, I talked with one. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, hasn't won any awards or anything. But um, we had this problem where people were complaining as if we're like an EA. You know, like a with hundreds of staff. It's like you know, I just feel like responding. Like you know, there's like there's like six of us sitting in a room. You know, <laughs> work like making this game. And yeah, this, the, the the connection um, with the community was not there, and we we had this. Yeah, so. So now, obviously, we've grown. Um, we've got a lot more stuff, but it, it is—it's a funny problem to have where they think that you're bigger than you are. And it's like we're actually <laughs> responding, so just be happy with that, you know. Yeah, obviously, by us responding, we are definitely not as big as you think we are. So that is funny to think about. Yeah, I, and I've always been amazed when um, perfect example of uh, like games that take off. Where um, I don't know if either of you, even if you never played it, maybe you heard of Undertale and Toby Fox in and um. And just the fact that he's like, it was just me and one other person developing this game for three years. And he's like, and the game's only like five or six hours long, but he's just like, it's just us because I didn't have anybody else to work with. I didn't have anybody else yeah. I knew to work with. It's just, it's just so it had been me developing my games. And so when you find that out, it makes it insanely impressive that you're just like, I can't imagine um, just knowing the little I do about game development and how much work goes into it. Just being a, a one or two man team or, um, for example, the dude I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now for five nights at Freddy's. Um, how that guy failed time and time again before Five Nights at Freddy's finally took off as a horror game because he was trying to make it like a happy-go-lucky children's game. And people were like, it's too scary for kids. It doesn't make sense. And he was going to, he actually gave up, he gave up development for a while. And uh, then somebody spun it on him where they were like, why don't you try making it a horror game? And he's like, okay. And then lo and behold, that story went off very well for him. So I'm always really impressed by um, development going on because it's definitely not easy to, pour your heart and soul into something and then it doesn't take off or it doesn't take off the way you intend. And I can see how uh, as someone who identifies as an artist, that could be very disheartening. So I always appreciate people who keep trying and keep going because I think the world always will need game developers. I um, went to, um, we, you have PAX in, in America. We had PAX uh, in Melbourne um, and the, the creators of Cult of the Lamb, um, 
they um, they had a booth, so they had crazy success. So there's, I think it was like four of them that made it, and yeah. just just you know just killed it, like just just incredible. And but they were still running the booth, and they're just like yeah. they're so tired, you know. What I mean, and <laughs> they've sold out of all their merch and stuff. And he's like, I don't know why I'm here, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was really interesting to to see such a huge success that was made by a, a handful of people. And like they're they're still trying to connect with their community and just like how exhausting it was. It was really interesting to to actually meet them. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I I um I played that 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 game made me laugh. Being uh, like a rogue like Animal Crossing meets existential horror, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and I found the same thing too. When I found out it was only like four or five people who made it, I was very much impressed. But yeah, I don't want to take any more of y'all's time. If there's any other lingering thoughts you want, I'm happy to let you speak them. No, it was awesome. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the chat. Um, we're still obviously, you know, we're 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 going through development, and we're going to be doing it for another couple of years. But it'll be great to speak to you in the future and and see a lot of the stuff that we've raised come to fruition. Um, and yeah, touch on two. that. Yeah, yeah. You, you might maybe you'll see it, and I'll have more gray hair. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I would definitely love to have you all both on, especially. As more developments occur, as you find to get closer to your release, and definitely for release, um, as a way to just give that that big push, because I I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on it, because uh, I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, I, it was great. I really appreciate having you both here. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and uh, talk about not only Grease Monkey Games and not only talk about what y'all are developing, but just uh, your personal backgrounds and everything. Really cool. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's been it's been a blast. Um, everyone, listeners, just go check out talkmotorsport.io and on YouTube um, when you have time. That's where we are. <laughs> what, yeah. What, yeah. what he said. Yep, for sure. I'll awesome, sure Matt. Thanks, man. I'll make sure in the show notes. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Matt. Of course.